All right, let's check that. That sounds pretty good to me. Thank you. Okay, and I hope it sounds good to you too. I'm glad that you're here. Um, we've got so many great things happening. Cade has told you about the campus ministry, and classes start on the 19th of August across the street. Um, and yes, we have an opportunity, a God-given opportunity. We get to play host to 400 people. That means 400 people are coming to us. <clears throat> we are the ones with the hospitality. We should be thanking God for this opportunity to reach out. And when we first got that opportunity, some of the folks who were there that first time are now part of this congregation, and, and you've met them, and you've gotten to know them, and they're helping us out with other ministries. So this is true growth. Um, anyway, I, I want to tell you about a few of these other opportunities. There's a pink card, I think, on the pews right there around you. That's for Prayer Pals, which will be September 15th. Now, the warm-up to Campus Day on the 25th of August and Prayer Pals on September 15th, let's say that the warm-up day is next Sunday, which we're calling Back to School, Back the Badge. And because uh, we've innovated some of this, we do it differently than years past. But if you're here and this is the first time you've ever heard of this, here's what this is. This is your opportunity to invite your friends who are school teachers, school workers, uh, and also people who are in uh, public service, those who wear a badge. And we're defining all of that very broadly because we want this, first and foremost, to be an opportunity to invite people here and pray over them. The people in our public schools, the people in public service, they often do jobs for us every day that we sometimes don't appreciate. Here is our opportunity to send those of you in those fields out with a blessing, but also to ask you to include your friends in that blessing too. So, Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. And um, yeah, so that's the back to school, back the badge challenge. All right. You are the ones. We've told you. Now you ask God to give you the opportunity to bring someone here. And um, we are also midway into a, um, a discussion on faith and a conversation on faith. And uh, there's, there's three gifts or three virtues that abide, that remain, that endure. This is what Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13. Faith endures because you don't necessarily have to lose it we talk about losing faith all the time we talk about someone who's lost their faith and usually what we mean is they've gotten away from God or they they've gotten away from the church but their faith can come back right now you, you know our son works for the uh, sight and sound theater in Branson and they uh, they're showing Samson and you've got until October to see that. It's a good story. But there's this one moment where the, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord says to Samson, your faith is just like your hair. It grows back. And your faith, if you're wondering if your faith is weak or if your faith is small, or if the, it may be somebody that you love and you're worried that they've lost their faith, that faith can grow back. And let's take, a, let's take another look at faith and understand what it is that we might be losing 
and what it is that we actually have when we have faith. So I'm going to ask you to go to Matthew chapter 14 with me. This is from the uh, Common English Bible. I've tweaked one sentence on this. So maybe CEB also stands for uh, Chris's Exceptional Bible. And uh, I think I'm right in the translation. You'll see. I'll tell you when we get there. But this is the story of Jesus walking on the water. Mark tells this story. Luke tells this story. Matthew records this story. And with Matthew, he also records an additional detail. And we're going to take a second look at that. Matthew 14, starting verse 22. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up onto a mountain by himself to pray. Evening came, and he was alone. Meanwhile, the boat fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was already far away from the land. Very early in the, let's see, yep, very early in the morning he came to his disciples walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and they said, it's a ghost. What do you think, kid men, was it a ghost? Now, who was it? It was Jesus, but he was walking on the water. Now, that's an interesting thing to see. All right. They were so frightened that they screamed. These are grown men, fishermen in a boat. They're terrified of this. But just then, in their their terror, Jesus spoke to them and said, Have courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you... Order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on. That's my tweak, by the way. I think it makes sense that Jesus is, you know, rather than something regal, he's saying, well, come on. You want that, I'm telling you, come on. Now, I know I'm adding a lot to this, but we need to push freeze frame and see this. Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water toward Jesus. Listen, watch this. Kidmen, what's going to happen to Peter in just a moment after he walks on the water? He's going to start to sink. See, they know this. Good job, good job. And you know this. And we're all ready for it. And here's Peter's shining moment. And he gets out there and he's walking on the water. And we think, well, he's going to sink. Freeze frame for just a moment. Everybody who's actually walked on water, raise your hand. Then we're going to have a lesson online. Uh, I'm not talking about skiing either. That doesn't count. All right. Of all the people that we know about in history, two have actually walked upon water. Jesus and Peter. Let's give him this moment. He walks on the water. He does it because Jesus told him, come on. And he does it. Now just... Take that in, because that's part of the story, too. Now, when he saw the strong wind, he became frightened. And as he began to sink, he shouted, Lord, rescue me. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him, saying, You man of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? And when they got into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, 
You must be God's son. There's a few things we can say about faith from this. Faith really counts when Jesus says, come on. Faith is trust and obedience. Sometimes we make faith out to be the content of what we believe, which that's not faith, that's doctrine, that's teaching, that's scripture, okay? I know we use it that way. But the word faith, the way it's used here, when Jesus says, you've got such little faith, it's not that Peter didn't know something. Peter, you forgot the lesson about uh, the Lord's Supper every Sunday. That's why you sank in the water. No, it's because he doubted. He doubted. So faith has to do with trusting and being obedient with that trust. It's trusting that Jesus is the Son of God, that what he says is reality, and then we act on that. When we get serious about faith, we can do whatever he wants. Now, that, that, that he is emphasized for a very important reason. Kid men, let me tell you this, and I want all the adults to hear this and all the other ones. There's going to be people that will tell you that if you believe and you have trust, you can do whatever you want. How many of you think if you believe that you could uh, uh, fly like Superman? Not likely to happen, is it? Why? It just doesn't happen. God didn't make people to fly, did he? So that's, it's not that we get to do whatever we want if we believe. It's that we can do whatever he wants if we believe and trust in him. Now, I'm going to tell you why that matters. Because as, as Cade is up here telling us about the, the, um, the campus ministry and these opportunities that we have, and he's asking for our help, and we're looking at this, you know, this fact that there's going to be a thousand people moving into our neighborhood, that, uh, that we've got all of these activities, and who's going to take care of this, and who's going to do all this? We've got Kidman's Zone, we've got Prayer Pals. You look at the front of the, the newsletter, there's all these kids that need Prayer Pals. How are we going to do all that? Church, I remember days when we never even imagined that we would be in this spot to do all of this. I remember days when we were just hoping to make it to the next Sunday. I remember days when we, we didn't even imagine that we would have an opportunity to serve 400 students. What it took was faith, trust, and obedience that despite all the winds and the waves around us, we would keep being obedient to Jesus. And it's great to see that. We've got to have that perspective. Remember, Peter, before he sank, was the reason Peter sank is because he was walking on the water. All right? He can't sink if he stays in the boat. If he stays in the boat, then he's safe. Did you notice what the other 11 are doing while Peter is sinking? I guess they're praying. They're probably having a committee meeting, you know. Well, it's a good thing we didn't try that. Yeah, let's make a policy. No one walks on water anymore, even if Jesus says so. They, no, they do nothing. They're not in the story at that point. Why? Because they do nothing. There is no virtue in saying, well, I'm glad we didn't try that. 
How many things are we proud of by saying, you know, yeah, I'm glad we as a church didn't do that. It's a good thing we didn't send people to dangerous places to share the gospel. Yeah. Why? Because it's dangerous. Good. Let's all just stay out of trouble. If that's not the mission of the church, that's not what Jesus has called us to do. Jesus has not called us to just take care of our own people and forget about other people that need the gospel. They can find it out on their own, just like I did. I read my Bible. I bought my Bible. You see, when we do that, we idolize safety and security over obedience and faith. When we focus on staying in the boat, we idolize our fear above our Savior. At least Peter gets out of the boat. When Jesus says, come on, even if it's scary, I, I think we need to take a step. Now, you may be saying, well, what is Jesus telling us to do? What is he saying, come on about? Well, that's where we spend time in our relationship with Jesus as a church and as individuals, just noticing what it is that he's asked us to do. The teachings of Jesus, it, it's been very clear. We've put it on this banner. We've said it's to make disciples. Yes. In general, it's to make disciples. Now, where do we make disciples? How do we make disciples? Uh, we know how even. He says you baptize them and you teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. So we're teaching people to be like Jesus. And we're trying to live like Jesus ourselves along the way. we got the how, but where and who? Who's this going to be? Is it going to be everybody all at once or is it just going to be the next person that's in front of us? We need to see where Jesus is calling us to. And even when we think, this is too risky, we can't do this. If he's saying, come on, then we need to have the faith that we can do whatever he wants us to do. When we doubt Jesus, then fear and disobedience leads to a loss of faith or a loss of trust. I can tell you dozens of stories about this church family when we stepped out of the boat and we trusted. You know, every day now you walk into a, uh, or every, well, every Sunday at least, maybe some other days too, you walk into a new foyer. That, that was part of a big audacious plan, part of a big grand vision. And it wasn't just a vision to redo this building. It started with a vision from our shepherds who said, we need to be more friendly, we need to more, be more inviting, we need to be welcoming. Why? Because that helps us accomplish the mission of making disciples. And so we had visions of other people coming in here, of people meeting here. Now we have visions of um, our Celebrate Recovery ministry meeting there in that nice welcoming area. I'm not just emphasizing that to say that that's everything, but that's just part of the process. It took a lot of years. It took a lot of thought. It took a lot of prayer. It took some sacrifice. And I could sit here and I could tell you that, that you know, I, well, I'm not going to tell you this story because we didn't do everything we wanted to do. We wanted to do the whole building. But you know what? The story's not over yet, is it? I mean, the very fact that this building is here is part of faith and trust and people saying well maybe we can do it maybe we need to listen to Jesus and we need to do something that will outlast us you know we're, we're called to do mighty things and, and here's the deal if God wants it done it's going to get done if not then we fail 
But at least if we fail, let's fail for Jesus. But I don't think we're going to if he's calling us into that. This isn't about being foolish. This is about being faithful. Peter sinks. He's walking on water. He's doing fine. When Jesus, he said, remember what he asked. He says, if you, if it's really you, Jesus, then you tell me to come to you where you are. Now, why would Peter want to do that? Well, you remember that the, the, the boat was being, you know, battered by the waves. I'm just going to make some guesses, and I don't know that any of these are right. Maybe Peter thinks that if he goes out there to Jesus, he's better off there than he is in the boat. It's a good, it's a good supposition. Maybe he thinks that if he's out there walking on the water with Jesus, maybe he can save his fellow disciples too. I don't know. Maybe he just wants to know that it's Jesus, and he just wants to go to him. There's a common assumption that Peter begins to sink when he takes his eyes off Jesus. I didn't read that anywhere in the text. I didn't read that. It's, that almost sounds like a hypnotist magic trick. Don't look down, Peter. Don't look down. Look only at me. Here I come, Jesus. I'm looking right in your face. Okay, now what's the point of all this? I mean, Peter's just supposed to go where he's going to go. Don't you think he's going to look down when he's stepping out of the boat? I would think so. That means that Peter's ability to think and to imagine is more important than the power of God. There's nothing in the text that says that Peter begins to sink when he takes his eyes off Jesus. It says that Peter begins to sink when he fears the wind and the waves more than he trusts Jesus. Look at the text. Look at what it says. It says that when he saw the wind and he saw the waves, he, he became afraid. Jesus tells him later, he said, why did you begin to have doubts? I mean, you were doing it. You were following my commands and you were walking on water. Why did you start to doubt? You know why he doubted, because he was more afraid of the storm than he trusted in Jesus. That's what will happen when we doubt Jesus. I've never been called to walk on water. It'd be neat. I'd like to do like that guy. Have you seen the guy that has the jet thing that he can like float over the water? Did you know that he just flew across the English Channel on this real Iron Man looking flying board? Oh boy, that'd be great. I heard his legs hurt, like, you know, they're like they're burning when he does that. So that's fine. That's all good. That's all fun. That's all wonderful. But what's the point of it? Well, I don't know, just to do something cool. But when Jesus calls us, there's a purpose in it. And there's a purpose in Peter walking on the water. And Peter knows enough to trust in Jesus. But when we're called to do things, even things that might be risky, things that we doubt, <clears throat> things that we wonder about, when we begin to doubt that Jesus can actually do something about this, we're going to sink. We're going to give in to fear <clears throat> rather than have faith. And remember who we're putting our faith in. We're putting our faith in someone who is not a ghost. If Jesus is a ghost, then he's a dead, immaterial spirit. But he's not. He's the risen Savior. He's risen from the dead. Death doesn't have a claim on him. He experienced death. He got out of it. He experienced death. He went through death. He got better. Okay? Now that 
Same power that does that is the same power that fuels this congregation. It's the same power that fuels our lives when they're transformed and changed and they're obedient to Jesus Christ. So whatever it is that you doubt, whatever it is that you're afraid of, ask yourself, is that more powerful than the power that raised Jesus from the grave? And, and, and if there doesn't seem to be any point to these great plans that we have, then maybe we're not really following Jesus. Maybe we're just satisfying our own desire to, you know, invent a, a hovercraft and fly it across the English Channel. You know, we have a few of those pet projects that we get into. But we have to ask ourselves, if God is calling us to something, then we can imagine that he's going to equip us with what we need. All we have to do is have faith and trust and step out of the boat. It takes a little sacrifice on our part. <clears throat> the story's not over with Peter sinking, though. You see, Peter's sinking, actually, it turns into something good. Because when he's sinking, his faith comes back. What are Peter's words as he's sinking? Do you all remember? Lord, help me. That's good. That's a good translation. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, save me. All those are, are that's, that's pretty good. That's about right. He doesn't say, well, that's it. I had a good run. See you all later. He didn't say, I never should have tried this. Uh, you know, he didn't say, throw me a life preserver. Where's my floaty? You know, he doesn't do any of that. His faith comes back and he says, Jesus, you rescue me. If we're not too ashamed to ask Jesus to rescue us, then when Jesus saves us, we gain something. Max Lucado points out uh, in his book, The Eye of the Storm, that when the disciples get back in the boat, that when Peter's back in the boat and they're with Jesus, they worship him. He says, in no other place do you see them, the disciples, having that kind of reaction. Other people have that reaction to Jesus. But this is the, the one time Max says that you'll see the disciples having that reaction. Why? Because he rescued them. We worship God best when we realize how much he has saved us. When we can actually name that. It doesn't have to be a grandiose story. But here's the thing. You tell me one story where Jesus hasn't saved your life in some way. Or given your life meaning. Or given your life purpose. And you tell me that Jesus doing that is not a great story. Every story of Jesus making a difference in our life, even if it's every day, is a great story. Because it's much better than the alternatives. The alternatives of failure and the alternatives of self-gratifying success. To be able to tell others how much Jesus has saved you. Peter is not ashamed for this story to be told by three gospel writers. No one in the church is ribbing Peter later. Hey, Peter, remember that time you were walking on water? And then you sank, <laughs> just like a baby. <laughs> and then he, if, Peter, if they did that, Peter would say, yeah, how many of you have walked on water? Hmm. He's not afraid to say that because he's able to say, and when I sank, guess who was there to save me? And when I sank and I asked for help, guess who pulled me right out of the water? And he can tell a story about his Lord, Jesus. If you've got stories of sinking, tell the rest of the story how Jesus saved you. 
When we realize how much he's saved us, then we praise him like never before. You know, maybe when we come together and worship, instead of thinking that this is our moment where we got to get God to love us, you know, come together, oh, Lord, look at us, we brought you flowers, you know, uh, you know we, 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 we're doing good things, we're showing up today, we're not watching sports today, God, look at us. Instead of that, maybe we take a moment and we just stop and think, what has the Lord done for me today? What has the Lord done for me in my life? How has he rescued me? How has he saved me? And when we stop and take a moment to do that, we can't contain the worship. We're just going to be, he acted first. He did this first. He saved us. And we're going to be just like those guys in the boat. Even after a storm, we can just say, he saved us. He rescued us. And when we praise God like that, not just in here, but out there in our lives, today as you go out today, think about how much God has saved you. Think about what he's done for you. Think about what you have. Ask him to show it to you. Maybe you need to be saved today. Maybe you need to be rescued today. Ask him. Ask him to save you. And then when you go and you talk to other people, you're going to be able to show them that praise that you have. This story happens. But no one in that boat needed to tell this story ever again. Why is it told? It's told for us. It's told for others. And I can imagine them getting in the boat. And then when Jesus, you know, is turned away and, you know, talking about loaves and fishes or something, Peter could say, listen, we don't tell anyone about this ever again. What happens in the boat stays in the boat. And it would have been done. But no, they got to tell this story. Why? Because Jesus saved them. Until we experience Jesus rescuing us, or until we can name and claim Jesus rescuing us, then we're missing a vital and important part of our evangelism. We're going out and telling the world about Jesus. We're making disciples. Not because we have to have people line up with us. Not because we need more attendance in this church. Not because we need more people to see things our way. We're telling them so that they can be saved by Jesus. And the best way to do that is to be ready when people say, well, how did Jesus save you? And whatever your story is, tell it. Tell about his goodness, and that will be good news to somebody. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would um, make us faithful today, that you would strengthen our faith, that we just need to trust in you and not doubt, and we need to listen for your voice as you call us out onto the water, out into life to glorify and represent you. Father, I pray that anyone who's here today who needs to call on you to be saved, who needs to be obedient, Father, who needs to step not onto the water but into the water of baptism, I pray that they will be encouraged to do so. Father, you are the one that saves, not us. And we ask that you would simply make us obedient to your call and your command. We thank you for your word and for this gospel today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing and... Um, There'll be shepherds here to respond to whatever need you may have today. Let's stand. Let's sing.